Welcome to the Wellness and Wanderlust podcast. We're here to demystify wellness and help you add a little adventure to your life. Tune in for a new episode every week where we'll hear from incredible guests and talk about ways to be happier and healthier in our new normal. I'm your host, Valerie Moses. Let's get started. Hi, friends. We're back today with another amazing guest on the Wellness and Wanderlust podcast. I'm your host, Valerie Moses, and I'm here to help you create sustainable changes to live a happier and healthier life. I love bringing these episodes to you each week and getting the chance to speak with some inspiring guests in different areas of wellness. And I love hearing from you too. So thank you so much for tuning in this week and being part of this community, whether you're brand new or a longtime listener. If you are new, I hope that you'll stick around for a while. Now, before we go any further into today's episode, I would like to thank our sponsor, Vivu. Vivu is an at-home wellness tracker that gives you personalized recommendations based on your hydration, ketones, pH levels, white blood cells, liver and kidney function, and a lot more. They've also added some new parameters to the app, like oxidative stress and magnesium, which have been huge eye-openers for me personally. I actually took the test just about a week ago when I was dealing with some health issues and had some questions. So how it works, you download the free Vivu app, pee on one of the sticks provided, and scan it into the app to receive your tips based on health goals, dietary preferences, and more. The advice really is tailored to our individual needs. So if you're doing keto, you'll be able to include that. I was able to include in my profile that I'm gluten-free or roughly gluten-free. So the app will never tell me to consume gluten. It's a really cool tracker. It will change your parameters based on your particular needs and goals. And we actually had Vivu's founder, Mirai Typhoon, on episode 26 of the show, if you'd like to learn more. Now, if you want to try Vivu for yourself, listeners will get 20% off your purchase with code Valerie, V-A-L-E-R-I-E, 20. I've linked everything in the show notes as well, so be sure to check it out. Now, let's talk about this week's episode. Tanya Kolesnik has been a psychotherapist and coach since 1995. She received her master's degree in social work from New York University after group therapy changed her life. She actually has an amazing documentary all about this process on her website, which I've linked in the show notes, and you should definitely check out. She has a beautiful story about how she first got involved as a psychotherapist. In our conversation, she does share this story, and we also talk about the power of group therapy and how working in group can help us uncover so many hidden lessons about ourselves. Group therapy is not something I've personally experienced. I've always been more on the individual route, so I really learned a lot from our conversation. We also discuss how we can get unstuck when working toward our goals, breaking through the generational patterns that have been embedded in us, and how we can get in alignment and stop getting in our own way. Tanya shares a lot of helpful practices for doing exactly that, and you're definitely going to want to pay attention. So enough from me. Without further ado, let's dive in and hear from Tanya. Hi, Tanya. Thank you so much for joining us at Wellness and Wanderlust today. Hi, Valerie. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm excited about our conversation. Well, so am I. I think that you are doing some great work, and I would love for you to, first of all, share with our listeners just a little bit about yourself. I am a psychotherapist and coach and have been doing that work for 27 years And have done different kinds of work, work for other people at times, work for myself at times. But most recently in January, started back again on a journey working for myself with a vision of what I'm hoping to build more and more, which is a focus on group, well, healing groups, I guess, is really what I've been referring to them as. And 
I find them to be so powerful. So the combination of healing groups and individual coaching or therapy helps to transform people. So I'm on this journey. Well, I'm so fascinated by the world of group therapy. It's something that I have not personally experienced. I've always been very much on the individual path. And I've wondered a little bit about how group therapy can impact us in our healing journeys and how exactly you got into that. Yeah. So let me start with how I got into it, which is when I was in my 20s, I was struggling at that time in my life to have a long-term love relationship. And I wasn't clear on what was going on. And it was a very painful time in my life. And at the time, I wasn't comfortable with the idea of going into therapy. It wasn't something, there was a lot of stigma, even though it was New York City, which is probably the most accepted place for therapy. But it was 30 years ago. So it took me a while to feel safe enough to even move in that direction. But once I did, I got connected to a therapist who I really immediately felt comfortable with and felt very supported as I started to tell her my story and some of what I was struggling with. And she very early on suggested I go into group therapy, which terrified me. But I trusted her and I was sort of intrigued. So I decided to go ahead and get into this group therapy. And the combination of doing group therapy and individual therapy changed my life. In fact, I was a graphic designer at the time, and I felt so much meaning really from this process of connecting to myself, learning about who I was, learning I wasn't flawed, learning I wasn't alone, that I decided to leave my work as a graphic designer and go back to school and become a therapist. So it was a very powerful experience for me. That is absolutely incredible and how impactful that must be to completely change your career path and and going back to school in, in itself is such a huge commitment. So it really goes to show how much of an impact that group therapy had for you. Why do you think that is and why do you think that it has such an impact on on others? I think there's so many different powerful things that can happen in group that's just different than what happens in individual. So number one, to be with other people that are going through human experiences that they're working through and to not feel alone is very powerful. I think the idea of being with other people going on your journey and watching what comes up for them as well you start to touch on things inside of you that you didn't necessarily realize had impacted you. But because somebody's telling a story and you realize what's coming up for you connected to their story, then you're starting to touch on things inside of you that if you were just going to an individual session, it might not have been something that you were planning to talk about in that session. It might not have been something that had come up. So You can get at some of this unconscious stuff and some of this deep parts of yourself that need some healing that you wouldn't have known to get into had you not been connecting to other humans in that way. I think that makes a lot of sense too. And I've, I've noticed even just being in, in groups, the, the power of groups in general, I have, as I mentioned, I have not done um, a group therapy, but the power of, you know, I, I was in a cohort for my graduate program and I have gone through a few uh, leadership development programs where they're very group based and the insights that come up and the things you learn about yourself just by listening mm-hmm. to what others have to say 
is so powerful and something I wish that they taught us in school rather than, you know, us ex- just expressing every little thing that comes to mind. But when I when I really think about it, when I have confided in friends about maybe something I'm going through or when I've listened to somebody talk about their own experience, sometimes I do think about, wow, this thing that happened in my childhood, maybe that wasn't so normal or maybe that wasn't something that, you know, should have been so overlooked or what have mm. you. You kind of develop those insights. You would not have experienced so just by getting those perspectives. So that makes a lot of sense in a therapeutic standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. So how does group therapy help us when we start to feel stuck? Because I think so many of us, we're well, we're living in a, in a pandemic time about two and a half years in. I think it can be really scary for so many of us and we can feel a little bit stagnant. And then many, many of our listeners as well are in their 20s and 30s and 40s. It's a time, I think, of transition in general. And that feeling of stuckness is so real for so many of us. How do we unlearn some of our patterns that have been ingrained in us? And how does group work kind of tie into that too? So the stuckness, I mean, first of all, through the pandemic and everything, having some community is so important. So group can also offer that where you feel very supported by more than one person in this community. You have this way of checking in with each other where people are really wanting to hear about how is your inner world. So there's something very special about having a community that's interested in that, your inner world. So there's that. I find actually in doing a lot of the individual work that I do with my clients that sometimes we get to a place where we have, we know the stuff, we know what we've talked about, we've been going through our understanding of what somebody wants to work on, what they want to address, and we've talked it through. But group can kind of help push it into this other place, similar to what I was saying before about touching on some of that unconscious stuff. So without being very direct about like, this is what I want to work on, but staying present, paying attention, seeing what comes up, even sometimes it's positive stuff and sometimes it's negative stuff. It could be feeling angry when somebody's sharing something or feeling very competitive with somebody, but it helps us learn something about us. So putting yourself in an environment where that kind of thing happens and allows you to notice different parts of what gets bubbled up is so helpful, I think, in the getting unstuck process. I think that makes a lot of sense too, because so often our perception of other people is really just, I think, a reflection of how we feel about ourselves. And I have to think a lot of times when I don't like, you know, what someone has to say and I'm getting really frustrated and something that appears to be almost kind of neutral sometimes even in a work setting. I think about, well, maybe this is actually reminding me of this trait I have of my own that I'm not proud of, or it reminds me of something that is one of my triggers. And I think that paying attention, not judging it necessarily, but just paying attention to it and seeing you know, how different things are making you feel, I think there is so much power in that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think, I mean, the group process and what you share in group is part of the journey. So there might be some things that you don't feel ready to share right away. If you're reacting to somebody else in group, maybe something comes up, you feel 
irritated by them, but you don't want to share that with them. And that's where the combination of individual and group can be so powerful because that kind of thing can then get processed separately. I love what you just said about you knowing enough about yourself to check in and say, hmm, why am I having this kind of reaction? What does that remind me of? So to take some of these reactions to whatever is being said in group and having a chance to process it with me separately from group, but we've had this shared experience. So whatever's getting processed, I was there, I saw it, and trying to understand it better. And then to help whoever it is that's struggling with their reaction to figure out what do they want to bring back to group, to process with the group, to say to the group. I know for myself, when I was in group, one of the things that I had to work on is having a voice for myself. And there were times, many times, when I'd put myself on the back burner and think, ah, there are problems bigger than mine, or I don't want to interrupt, or I don't want to not be nice. And finding a way to start having a voice anyway, for me, was such an important part of my journey. And for others, whatever it is that they're working on to start practicing in group can help them get ready to do those things outside of group. And that's a great point, too. I think so often when we're, especially when we're talking about maybe traumatic events, for example, and we hear the word trauma and we think about really, really terrible things on a global scale, but we're not thinking about the little T traumas, those it's seemingly mm-hmm. smaller events and how much they can impact us. So I think oftentimes we diminish what we've gone through and we will kind of hold ourselves back and not have that voice. What are some ways we can kind of push past that? I think part of what I do for the group itself is I create a culture where each person knows what the goal is. So each person is asked to bring what are they working on, and they each get a turn to talk, and then there's a chance to respond to each other. What's resonating for you? Is anything triggering for you? So we talk those things through, and then I also give them some sort of a topic that's related to being human. So we've talked about things like energy. One of the topics we're going to do for our next session is accountability and to talk those things through. So I think that culture helps people feel safer. I take it very seriously to create a safe space for people so that they can start talking about some of the things that typically they wouldn't talk about to people outside of group. I think that's just so important just for people to feel comfortable and safe to because some of these topics, it could be so heavy. And even in one of my leadership groups, this was amazing, but our first session, toward the end of the session, they asked us to each talk about who our family members were and a childhood memory. And it could be any childhood memory that we found to be impactful. Every single person in that room, this seemed like such a simple prompt. All of us were crying mm. by the end of it. And we did not realize just how how much these events have impacted and shaped us. And to have that space where we felt safe to do that. Yeah. And because these were strangers, you know, prior to that day, I think that's so, so important. And we were able to really dive deep and kind of create a little bit more of that culture moving forward through the program. So I absolutely love that and that environment that you're putting together for them. Can I ask with your groups, are they based on a particular goal in mind that that your clients are working through? Or is it demographic based on age? Or how exactly does that work with putting together these groups? 
at the moment, my groups are all women. And age-wise, it does run from people in their 20s to people in their 60s. But I do usually have a conversation with the people in their 20s who are considering it to say, you're on the younger side and to see whether or not that's going to be uncomfortable for that person. Because I do typically have probably people more in their 40s, 50s, I would say more often than not. Um, But the focus of the group really is to help people get in better alignment inside and out so that the way that they're living their life is really honoring who they are at the core, taking into consideration what is true for them, their energy levels. Often people are, um, many of the people in my groups tend to be rule followers or perfectionistic or moms that put themselves on the back burner and helping people start to claim space for themselves. How do they need to take care of themselves? How do they need to start identifying even what do they want for themselves? Often that can be fuzzy if you've been busy focusing on kids or a career or following what you think the cultural rules are. You may not have clarity about that. Well, I think there's such a need for that particular topic too. I would imagine for most of our listeners as well, that living in alignment is something that we're all seeking, but I think oftentimes we don't really know exactly how to get started or what exactly we're doing to live in alignment. Do you have any tips in general for our listeners on how we can start to live in alignment? And I know this is such a broad topic, but just to stop getting in our own way and really figure out who we are and what is true for us. Yeah. I mean, Energy seems to be a good place to start. (laughs) So if you tend to feel depleted a lot of the time, paying attention to what that's about, where is your energy, what do you think you need in terms of rest or commitment even. So starting to pay attention to the different areas. So I mentioned energy. I think if you feel irritable a lot of the time, if you're feeling resentful a lot of the time, to try to start to track those things. What's happening when you notice that you're feeling resentful? What happened right before that? Usually resentful is connected to saying yes to something that you'd rather be saying no to, but then feeling that you're being treated unfairly. And so if you can get a better understanding of when is that showing up and what's your role in it? Because usually it's because you've agreed to something that doesn't work for you. So that's an example of starting to learn, oh, wait a minute, I keep saying yes to these things. I'm depleted. I'm exhausted. I don't even want to be doing them. And getting some clarity with those. So starting first to track some of those things can be really helpful. Journaling can be a really helpful process to say, what is coming up for me? Why am I sort of experiencing a lot of this irritability, what would I want instead? And asking a lot of questions and staying with it, noticing where things aren't working for you, noticing it, tracking it, and asking questions. Yeah, I think that journaling can be such a powerful tool for us. It was something that I need to get back into, but it was something that I was really starting to implement to start to uncover some of my own experiences and how some of of my own patterns 
And that resentment, I think a lot of us can relate to as well, saying yes to the thing that we really don't feel like doing. And I had seen something online not too long ago that kind of reminded me of this too, that you know we have sometimes resentment for how we're treated in a particular situation or being taken advantage of. But a lot of times these are behaviors that we've taught people how to treat mm-hmm. us or we've taught people that, hey, yes, I am going to say yes to all of these things. And whether it's fair or not for them to take advantage of that, we have to own our own place in that and where our responsibility is not to take on a victim mindset, but just to say, hey, yes, they're asking me to do this because I say yes every single time. And this is the expectation I've set. Yeah. Yeah. And I think learning how to say no, learning how to set boundaries, all of that are, those are the kinds of goals that people will have, but first have to get some clarity on oh, wait a minute, where am I saying yes when it doesn't serve me? It's not really where my heart is. And then other times maybe you're tired, but you still fully choose the yes. So knowing when it's one and when it's the other. Definitely. Now, I would love to know too, we get in our own way oftentimes, and I'm sure with your group, you have a lot of very high achieving, you know, perfectionist, as you said, mm-hmm. women who are working hard. And when it comes to certain goals in life, I think we can make our lists and we can really work hard and we're capable of a lot. Mm-hmm. But when it comes down to it, there are certain goals that we just can't seem to get to. Um, and I say can't in, um, in quotation marks, but mm-hmm. what exactly is holding us back from achieving our goals and how can we start to uncover that so that we can live a life that lights us up? Sometimes not getting to it is connected to what we were talking about a little bit ago, energy and depletion. I think sometimes people want things but feel like, oh, I must do all these things first. And then when I'm done with these things, I can come to this other thing that I have in mind that I'm interested, but that's not yet in place in my life. So I need to finish all the stuff on my to-do list or take care of my kids or take care of some volunteer job or whatever it is. And so people, I think, are not honoring what their energy levels are and doing too much and putting their hearts sometimes on the back burner. So I think that's part of it. I think part of it also is having mixed feelings. So if you feel like, yes, I really want this thing, but I'm also afraid of it. And I'm also thinking I want this other thing too. And not doing some of the inner work that helps you get clear on, okay, what does the journey look like? Where am I willing to put my energy and what does that mean? What do I have to say no to in order to say yes to this other thing? And I think that's such a powerful question for so many of us. I just had this conversation with someone yesterday about when you're saying yes to something, you're saying no to something else and vice versa whether you believe it or not. And I think for so many of us, there is really that guilt. For the moms especially, I always hear about that mom guilt. But even for those who aren't parents, um, maybe don't have anyone that they're directly caring for, they may still feel guilty about saying no to maybe a volunteer activity or something that's going to boost them in their career or really anything that that comes up. I felt guilty saying no to plans when, when I was sick and would have gotten people sick. Mm. And I think that guilt becomes so real. Are there tips that you have for letting go of that guilt when it comes to setting our boundaries or saying no to the things that will either deplete us or literally get us sick mm-hmm. and doing what's going to actually positively impact us? 
I think it's such an important muscle to strengthen. I was thinking about what you just said about saying no, but you were going to get other people sick. What if you just wanted to say no? Like maybe you could have energy for it, but you're choosing instead to do this other thing that's going to serve you more or that's speaking to your heart more and you want to choose this other thing. There's a lot of discomfort around saying no. And I think for women in particular, there's this expectation of being a good girl. And I'm putting that Mm -hmm. in quotes, you know, so this good girl idea and you've got to be nice and you've got to say yes to things and people aren't going to like you. I think there's a lot of fear too, that people aren't going to like you if you say no, or people are going to be angry with you if you say no. So I think to understand this is hard for us, but it doesn't mean don't do it. It means starting small, starting to say no to things that you maybe feel clear enough that it's important, even though it's hard and practicing and getting used to prioritizing yourself. It's, it's not something I don't think that comes naturally to a lot of women. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. But it, it you almost feel selfish because we are taught to kind of put ourselves almost, uh, well, oftentimes last, even though that doesn't allow us to, we actually serve others a lot better when we put ourselves a lot farther ahead than we typically do. But if I had actually gone on with those plans, or maybe if I had done those things while sick, but maybe over Zoom or something like that, I still would have been depleted. Mm -hmm. I would not have put, you know, I would not have benefited anybody by being there really when it came down to it. And I was able to come back later a lot more energized and refreshed and able to be a better friend, be a better committee member or whatever it was. And that's something we have to remind ourselves of. But it's definitely, I mean, you said it about an important muscle for sure. Yeah, We've talked, you and I have talked off recording before about some of those embedded patterns um, that we've had since our childhood. How did those really shape how we show up in the world and work toward our goals or how do they impact us negatively toward our goals? Yeah. So we've all been conditioned from the families that we grew up in and the culture that we live in and how the culture was when we were younger and things have evolved, but some things are still very present. So we all have our different ways that we were conditioned. And I think there's a lot of overlap for many of us, like what we were just talking about, being a good girl. That's certainly one in my family in particular, but I know that this resonates with a lot of people, the idea of being productive, that Mm -hmm. we must be productive at all times and that it's frivolous or, or you're just wasting time if you've got too much downtime. And I've, a lot of my work has been about helping people reframe that and realize that this idea that being productive is the only way to go, it hurts us because it doesn't teach us how to honor again. I guess I've got this thing about energy at the moment. It's definitely like a priority, but just it's something that comes up again and again where people don't feel permission to take care of themselves first. So this idea of being productive, I think some people grow up in maybe more religious families where there might be some religious expectations that people feel pushed into, if it, even if it's not what feels true to them. So I think that there's a lot of ideas, whatever it was that we grew up in our family, that are just kind of accepted at first. So, for example, maybe there's somebody who 
is a real creative person, but also was good at some more practical skills and chose a more practical kind of career because that felt safer and that felt like that was the way they were supposed to do. That was what was expected. Maybe it was a family that didn't encourage too much risk taking, but there there's a cost to that. And, and not to say it's not a good choice to choose a practical career, but y- for all of us, we have to check in and make sure that that's a choice we're making mm-hmm. as opposed to I'm continuing down this path that was sort of set up for me. So I think looking at all the things that we've talked about, understanding what are some of the dreams you have, what comes up for you again and again, does it match where you are? Is it different than where you are? Do you want to start moving towards some of these dreams? What would that look like? What needs to get deconstructed if you do start to move towards something like that? And often it is some of these narratives that we've internalized from the families that we grew up in and teaching ourselves, okay, wait a minute, it doesn't have to be that way. That's not the only way to look at it. That's something I'm starting to uncover myself. At 31, I'm finally realizing, you know, hey, some of these things that that came up in our household, and I say this lovingly, my my dad, I think, is the number one listener for this show. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, no no shade at all on my family, okay. but certainly that the things that we've been taught and that that our parents and their parents and their parents, and we've talked about generational patterns a little bit on this show. Um, and some of the trauma that can go with that. But there are some times where I may react in a certain situation where I have to really pull back and think, hey, maybe this experience when I was younger, maybe this maybe this impacted me more than I expected, mm-hmm. or maybe this expectation I have on myself is really not necessary. Just the pressure that I'm putting on myself. The productivity one, I think, is such a huge one. And maybe not necessarily in the family structure, but in the way that culture shaped us or that school shaped us or really just our environments in general. But really the thoughts around productivity, that is something I, I was experiencing not being sick and not being able to do nearly as much. How much that ha- took a toll, I think, on how I, I felt about myself during that time. But Mm. I think that's something that so many, I think women especially really put pressure on themselves for. Yeah, definitely. And I think workaholism goes hand in hand with that, but productivity doesn't necessarily have to be work job stuff, but just always doing something that's productive. There's so much to Mm -hmm. do and that somehow taking care of ourselves is not seen as important as I believe it is. How can we reframe that a little bit in terms of taking care of ourselves and making that more of a priority? Well, you said it earlier when you were talking about when you weren't feeling well and how taking care of yourself was going to help you feel like you could show up, right? Am I remembering that right? Is that the context you were saying that, that Mm -hmm. it would help you show up as a better friend, as a better whatever it is that you were needing to sit out from? And I think. If this resonates, my hope is that this resonates for people and people listening will really understand how important it is when they don't honor their need for rest, what happens to them. Look at that. When you do honor your need for rest, downtime, creative time, whatever it is, how do you feel? And let how you're feeling, and not just in 
sort of one situation, but if you start to practice and start to try it out, how do you feel over time? And let that be a guide for you. I think that the truth of it, having the experience of the truth of it is going to be so powerful and help you have anybody who's struggling with this have the going to say courage. I don't know if that's the right word, but honestly, maybe it is. Have the courage to prioritize yourself, to say no, to say, I'm going to do this thing for myself because I need it, that kind of thing. It does take being clear that that matters. And I think courage is the perfect word for it because I think so many of us are so terrified to actually do that when it comes down to it. But I think that is such an important goal for so many of us that will help us to live in alignment in all other areas of our lives. Yeah. Yeah. And and what was coming up for me too, as you were responding to that is the idea of the group community and how we support each other in that way as well. That it is hard to start to take those steps to take care of ourselves as well as we really need. And in the group setting, we celebrate that with each other. When we hear from One of the members, when somebody is sharing a story of being able to say no or being able to take 10 minutes for themselves, whatever it is, every step, even if they're small steps, feel big and worth celebrating. And that helps all of us, I think, have that courage to keep going down that path. I love that. I really do think that celebrating the small wins, as small as they may seem to people outside of that community who have not experienced the same, you know, the same thing for themselves. But I think really taking that time to celebrate that and to pat ourselves on the back for, you know, making those steps, I think is such a powerful thing. And I I absolutely love that. For those who are maybe not in a group setting, but want to start to recognize and celebrate those wins for themselves, are there ways that we can start to really recognize them? Yeah, I think that using the journaling again as a tool and structuring it any way that's going to support the process. And one of the things that I said, I think I said earlier, was tracking when you start to notice, Mm -hmm. oh, this is when that comes up. So I would say start with setting a goal for yourself, noticing, oh, I say, well, I'll give you an example from my own life. I live in a town different from where my family was growing up and different from where my husband's family was. So there were times when we might have the potential of having visitors several weekends in a row. And I realized that that was not good for me energetically. I really needed a weekend in between if somebody was going to visit. So I got in the habit of saying, no, if somebody wanted to come visit, two weekends in a row and say, explain that I needed that rest in between. And so getting that clarity and knowing that that was what you were, that in my case, that's what I was going to go for. And then being able to honor that was part of my process of strengthening that muscle. So for anybody listening, starting to recognize where are you wanting to support yourself, either setting a boundary or having more rest or doing something creative and putting that out there for yourself as a goal and deciding, you know, when are you going to try this? Is this something, is it a 10 minute rest that you might do throughout the day or once a day or something like that? And then at the end of the day, review, how did it go? 
And if it didn't happen the way you hoped it would happen, try to understand what's getting in the way and then come at it again, either the next day or the next week, depending on the frequency that you're shooting for this goal. But um, to use writing as a tool to help you assess your progress along the way. I think that's so important and definitely having it in writing so that you can go back and review because I think so often we the days start to run together for us, especially pandemic time and then going back into maybe into the quote unquote real world. I've certainly noticed that I don't have as clear of a memory on, well, this happened on this day mm-hmm. and this is how I reacted to this. And so just I think with all of the new stimuli and all of that, but being able to write these things down and go back maybe a week later even and review that hey, this is something that I was experiencing at this time. And how am I coping with this now? Do I still feel this way? Taking that step. And I do think when it comes to, you know, you you mentioned courage, I think, with setting those boundaries and saying no. I think it takes a lot of courage when it comes to saying no to family mm-hmm. and to those closest to us. So I think that's such a great goal to have just because, you know, as we said, you're not going to have the energy then to host them the following week. And if you are able to muster that up and, you know, fake it till you make it, you're not going to have that energy for yourself when everybody finally does leave. So I think that, I think that's a great goal and a great example, I think, for so many of us that we may be able to set those boundaries at work, but we may not be able to set them in the same way when it comes to our loved ones. So I think that's such an important thing for us to recognize. Yeah, definitely. And then the other thing that was coming to my mind I use this so much in my work with clients is the idea of finding a mantra or creating a mantra for yourself as a reminder, because sometimes the goal is not as specific as don't plan this weekend, like what I shared. Sometimes it could be catching yourself. Again, I'll share an example from my life. So as I'm navigating my new practice and looking into where I want to put my energy One of the things that I notice is I get impatient with myself and feel like I need to be done before I even start. I I feel like, hurry up and get this done. And whatever it is I'm focusing on feels like the wrong thing. I need to be on the next thing, which was not serving me. And so I created a mantra for myself. And I, I just see that as a phrase that you repeat to yourself in your head as a reminder And so my mantra was, your pace is fine. And so that reminder for me was to help me set a boundary with myself inside my own head to say, stop going on to the next thing, stay present, do what you're doing, you're doing fine. That is a really great mantra too. I've been thinking a little bit. It's so funny you mentioned the word pace. I'm reading a book right now about a lot of this, about living in alignment and pace was one of the principles that they talk about. And it's not one that I think about too often, but once I saw that word, I thought, wow, that really does play into how I'm living my life. And sometimes I think a little bit too much on fast forward or Mm -hmm. just trying to get through all of the tasks and everything on the to-do list. And I think your pace is fine. That's a great mantra and something we should be reminding ourselves. For for you, what are some what are some ways that you do stay present? Because I think that's something probably the majority of our audience has struggled with at least at one point or another. I'd love to know, you know, what practices or what changes you've implemented. Yeah. So I definitely find that breath is so helpful in if I catch myself not being present, to use my breath to bring myself back into the present moment. 
And I know there's a million different ways to do breath work. I personally just will take a deeper breath and follow it. That seems to be what works best for me. I know that there's box breathing exercises. There's just different things. So I think to find whatever speaks to you most of all. But for me, using my breath is helpful putting my to-do list away. <laughs> I know you mentioned the to-do list. I definitely can get very attached to my to-do list. And I think to give myself a break and say, I don't even have to look at it because even when I wasn't doing the things on the to-do list, sometimes I would check it and say, okay, am I still good to like just chill? <laughs> And to give myself permission to not even check it, honestly, was so liberating for me. So that kind of thing, noticing even for me where I'm not present. So movement outside, I joined a hiking group and I hike a couple of days a week and I do all my work virtually now. So for me to hike with people in person feels like a really nice way for me to connect to both movement and community. And I feel very present in that practice. I really like that. So I think finding some of those things that really speak to, to me, but for all of us to find our, our things where we do feel present and engaged. I think those are some great points, especially, you know, getting outside. I think, unfortunately, here in Florida, it's in the 90s already, so I'm not going out quite as much as I was, but being out in nature, you really do feel, I think, just this different connection than we do in our in our homes and sometimes not well, you know, I'm currently in a not very well lit apartment. And it's definitely, there's, there's a huge disconnect, I think, when we're not getting outside Mm -hmm. and we're not around people, even as, you know, I'm an introvert as well. If I'm not around people for too long, I can get in my own head and, you know, I find myself all over the place, to be honest. And so I think that, that pace, again, that your pace is fine mantra and finding ways we can implement that in different areas of our lives, even again, just getting outside or focusing on our breath, I think can be so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess on a similar note, we we talked a little bit about the power of community in the pandemic. And I think other stressful times that may that may take place in our lives in general, not necessarily pandemic time, but really in any stressful time. Do you have any other tips um, for listeners who might be struggling? I think to give yourself permission, I feel like that's such a big one, to give yourself permission to check in with yourself and see what you need and to honor that. Because if you're struggling, and and of course, you might not know the answer to that question, but the process of getting quiet, checking in is such a big part of finding the answer to that. So giving yourself permission, checking in, seeing what you need, and taking a step. Because also, clarity comes from engagement. So if you don't know what you need, you're checking in, and you're feeling maybe a few ideas come up, but you don't know which one's right for you, try something to see Mm -hmm. how you respond to it and to see if that brings you closer to some sense of relief, some sense of, okay, that is helping me feel less stressed, or whether it's not working at all, that kind of thing. Allow yourself to reach out for support if you're feeling like it's too much. 
I think that's something that everyone listening needs to hear for sure, that you don't have to go through whatever it is alone. And that chances are, I think any issue or, you know, any, any trauma, any problem, any situation that any of us is facing at any given time, somebody else in the world has faced it as well. And they may be at a different point in their journey where, you know, reaching out or even just having that person to talk to and just to listen and, and hold space for you. I think that can really serve a valuable purpose, but not going through it alone. I think it really, really takes, I think it takes a lot of the, um, it takes the edge off for sure. And it makes it a little bit easier to go through that recovery process and that healing journey. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And there's lots of resources out there these days that wouldn't be the same as maybe getting support from a person, but things like Headspace or the Calm app can give you some guided meditations that can help you if you're struggling to really take some time for yourself or figure out what helps to relax you. It kind of gives you a few tools that you can use that are really helpful. Uh, yeah, I think that is so amazing. I remember back in um, when I was when I was a kid, and my dad would start meditating and meditation and and breath work and all of that. It seemed like such a scary concept. So I think a lot of people still have that perception a little bit of that it has to be sitting in silence with a particular breathing pattern that you must stick to. But then finding some of these apps, I use Insight Timer mm -hmm. as well. And sometimes I will look up a specific thing that I'm struggling with or a specific thing that I want to hear about. And having these resources available to us, many of which are free or very, very inexpensive, less than we're paying for so many of our streaming services and everything else. Yeah, realizing that those are at our fingertips and that if it's the middle of the night and you're up ruminating over these things, you can you can turn on this app. You can go on to YouTube. There are resources out there for you where you don't really have to be alone at all in today's day and age, which I think is so, so incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just thinking too, podcasts like yours and I love that there's more and more conversation, there are more and more conversations happening, I think, with the focus of mental health and getting the kind of support that any of us might need in podcasts that focus on this kind of thing. So there is a lot available to us, which is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And that's been that's been so great for me getting to share these conversations with people like you and so many of our wonderful guests, just getting to share our stories. And if it resonates with one person listening, I think it makes such a difference for, for me as the host, mm -hmm. just knowing when, when I do get a message that, hey, I listened to this episode, it made me think about this with this family member or this situation that I'm going through. That is more impactful to me than numbers. That's more impactful to me than anything. And so I think being able to have these conversations is just so, so powerful. And I hope that in our in our own lives, in our day-to-day, -day, that we can continue to, to have these conversations with the people as well. So I absolutely love that. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I find it very helpful and healing to listen to podcasts that are addressing something that maybe I'm I'm going through or struggling with. Definitely. Now for you, I would love to know a little bit more um, about the services that you offer and how listeners can connect with you. But before we really get into that, I'd love for listeners to get to know you a little bit more as well um, through some of our rapid fire questions. Yeah. Love it. Awesome. Well, our first question, what is your top wellness tip? Well, you're probably not going to be surprised by this one, <laughs> but I think allowing yourself rest 
and getting quiet and checking in. I think the three of those things together, giving yourself a chance to catch your breath and get quiet and check in and see what you need in that moment. I love that. That is something that I have been needing lately and something I finally took for myself. I'm glad that you mentioned that. I think rest is so key. Yeah. Now, where is your favorite travel destination? You know, honestly, I love a beach. There's something about the ocean and the sand and the water and the waves. Uh, I don't even care if it's cold or if it's hot, but I love a beach. There isn't a particular beach necessarily that I love most of all, but Rehoboth Beach in Delaware is one that I go, I've been going to since beach week when I was in high school and I go with my family. So I enjoy that one in particular, but I would take any beach. Yeah, I can definitely really, I'm a South Floridian originally and being now in central Florida, a lot farther mm-hmm. from, from any body of water, it's, it definitely miss being that ocean breeze. There's just a different vibe, different feeling as, as you get closer to the, to the coast mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Now, if you were an animal, what animal would you be and why? I would probably be a dog. <laughs> and I think because dogs love to chill. <laughs> And I enjoy that. But there is such sort of positive energy. I love the joy of connection with a dog. And I personally love to connect and I get a lot of joy from that. So, yeah, I think that's the animal I would be. Aren't they the best? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. Now, if you could master a completely new skill, what would that be? (laughs) I get a little chuckle from that question because right now I really want, I bought this beading loom, which you can make sort of a saw, I guess, bracelets or whatever with seed beads. And I have to put it together and I want to learn it. And I've been putting it off, but I really want to know how to do it because I have this idea in my mind of something I'd love to make. And so right now that is what I would really like to master, but it's feeling daunting. It feels like I don't know how to do it. And I I think I'm going to learn through YouTube. So probably one of those things that if I would just start, I'd I'd get through it, but it feels daunting. So I'm, I'm a little stuck with it, but that, yeah, that's the current one on my list. That is so cool. And what a creative way to, to spend time too, and kind of a different, especially because you do have a vision for how you want to use it as well. I, um, my mom always says begun is half done. Mm. So I'm sure that, you know, once you, um, once you get started on it, you're going to be hooked on it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll do it this week. Now, now you've inspired (laughs) me. (laughs) Well, I think that's the power of these conversations, accountability. Yeah, totally. You know? Yeah, that's that's awesome though. And I I've never gotten that answer before either. So I think that's very, very cool. And I'll be excited to see what you make as well. And my final question on our rapid fires, um, what is next on your bucket list? So I think most people, when they have a bucket list, they think of things outside of their home that they want to do. But I have forever dreamed of being able to make like renovate my home and make it be everything that I want it to be. And so that's something that's sort of on the horizon that my husband and I have been starting to talk about. What do we want to do to the home? How do we want to change things so that it really creates this haven that it is kind of now, but it's not 
done in the way that I really aesthetically would love. So to really Mm -hmm. honor that wish to create my home in that way. That's a great bucket list item. We spend so much time in our homes and they really are our sanctuaries in a sense. And to to make it that positive, we talked about energy quite a bit and the energy of our homes. I actually read a book. We had the author on the show um, called Ohm for the Home. And it was yeah. basically about you know the energetics of our homes and how we bring in a lot of positive and a lot of negative and how different things that, that we have in our homes can really shape um, whether that's clutter or whether that's actually the design and the the way that everything is set up. And I think there is so much to our wellness that we don't even think about when it comes to our homes mm-hmm. that it really does play such a role. Yeah, totally. Well, that is such a cool bucket list item. And I can't wait for you all to get started on that dream. And that's so exciting. Now, I would love for you to share with our listeners just a little bit about the services that you offer and what they can take advantage of. So at the moment, I'm offering groups and individual and healing groups that are no larger than 10 people. At the moment, they're just growing and being built. So they're on the small side at the moment. And individual sessions, what I would love to encourage people to consider is a combination of the two, because that's where I think the work can be so powerful. I offer a free discovery session for anybody that's interested in group and wants to understand a little bit better how it can be helpful for them specifically. So I want to put that out there as an offer to anybody listening that might want to just talk it through a bit. How could group help whatever it is that one of your listeners might be interested in addressing? Wonderful. I'll make sure to link that in the show notes and share that out so that listeners can take advantage of that. And how can listeners find you and connect? Probably the easiest way. I do have a website and it's my name, Tanya Cole Lesnick, but I know sometimes it's hard to remember if you're, you know, on the treadmill or something while you're listening to this. So my handle for both Instagram and TikTok is Tanya the therapist, all one word. So it's Tanya, T-A-N-Y-A, the therapist, all one word. You can see some of my videos there, but you can link to my website from there and um, connect to me if you want to sign up for a discovery session. That would be amazing. That's awesome. I can't wait to watch your your reels and TikToks and all of that. And um, I'll be sure to link all of that in the show notes too. But Tanya, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on and for sharing your story with us. I think this has been such a powerful conversation and I think it truly makes a difference for our listeners. Thank you, Valerie, so much for what you do and for having me on your show. And I really enjoyed chatting with you about all of this. I really enjoyed my conversation with Tanya and loved gaining more insight into her own journey through group therapy. Now, I'm someone who has a really hard time staying present, so I really liked what Tanya had to say about creating a mantra for yourself, especially one like, your pace is fine. I feel like I'm constantly trying to speed along to the next thing, and lately I've been beating myself up for not operating at as fast of a pace as I'm used to, so your pace is fine really, really spoke to me personally. I also think it's so important for us to look at those embedded patterns in our lives to see how they're affecting us on a day-to-day basis. You know, we talked about generational trauma on this podcast just a few weeks back and how it can impact the things that we're telling ourselves, where we're getting stuck in our lives. And in this episode, talking about myths like how I must be productive or I must be a 
good girl, those can really hold us back. So I think this was such an important conversation and I've linked Tanya's information in the show notes so that you can connect with her, learn more, take advantage of her services. Be sure to check it out and be sure to check out our sponsor Vivu in the show notes as well. As always, I want to thank you for tuning in and for sharing this part of your day with me. This is truly a special experience for me and I couldn't do it without each of you. If you have a topic you'd like us to explore in a future episode, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. I'm on Instagram at Wellness and Wanderlust blog. You can also email me at Valerie, V-A-L-E-R-I-E, at wellnessandwanderlust.net. You can lend your support to the show by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It takes just a few minutes out of your day, and it makes a huge difference to me as a podcaster. It lets other people know what you think of the show, and it helps people find the show as well. So if you find yourself tuning in from week to week, or if this episode in particular has resonated with you, I would so love to hear your thoughts. I hope you all have a fabulous day, and I will see you next week.